Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. I'm here with my friends, Angie McCarty and Julie Seibert. We are doing a summer loving series because we want to turn up the heat in every marriage on the planet. Too bad every marriage on the planet doesn't know who the heck we are, huh, ladies? We could really do a lot of good, right? <laughs> we could. <laughs> so we have talked about talking like lovers do and playing like lovers do. And today we're continuing the conversation with touching like lovers do. Now I'm going to issue a challenge question. Do y'all remember the first time that your mate touched you? Oh, wow. Oh yeah. 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 I, I, I think what really stood out to me, this is, I fell in love with Randy pretty quickly. So we went on our first date, we were next door neighbors. We kind of have an amazing story. And, um, so we went on a date, we set up this date after we'd talked on the phone quite a bit and then sat on my patio and talked, but we went on this date in downtown Omaha and we went to dinner and there's a park down there that then we went to walk in this park along this path and there was a park employee like in a golf cart that was going like he was emptying the trash cans so he was going from trash can to trash can and but he was driving kind of along the path and when we were walking i was on the inside of the path and randy was on the outside of the path and without even missing a beat in our conversation, he put his hand on my waist and moved me to the outside so that he was between the carch and me. And I found it to be one of the most, I don't know, sexiest, hottest, um, kindest, compassionate things a guy had ever done for me. And it was just this one move where he put his hand on my waist and he just moved me and then stood on the other side of me. And we just kept walking and the cart, the golf cart guy passed. But anyway, that's, that's one of my earliest memories. I love that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> my, my earliest memory was the day that Jonathan and I reconnected. We had met each other in 2013, we were both married. I was going through a divorce and, and our meeting was like literally two minutes long. Um, and then we didn't really talk again until 2015. And when we did, he invited me over to his house to have dinner with his sister and his son and like just a bowl of chili before this conference that we were both going to attend. And that night, the bowl of chili turned into talking until the wee hours of the morning. We were sitting on a love seat. And I remember the first time he touched me, I had my arm kind of on the back of the love seat. And he put his on top of mine and just started touching my arm. And later on that night, that led to our first kiss. And I will tell you, like, I'm at a loss for words, right? <laughs> I'm the pastor and I'm at a loss for words. I've never trying seen you describe, words like that. <laughs> <laughs> trying to describe what happened in our first kiss. It was just perfection and electric and dreamy. And we both woke up the next morning, kind of then got to the conference and looked at each other. We're like, 
what happened last night? Like we knew something huge and life altering had happened in that one kiss. So I love it. That's my touch story. Unforgettable. <laughs> in every way. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. He touched me. He put his hand in mine and then he touched me. Yeah. Uh, I was blown away when Charlie, it, our first touch was a hug. Uh, we had been introduced through an email and then had had several phone conversations. We'd actually been talking not just nightly, but like several times throughout the day for weeks. And so it, we lived four hours away. So by the time he actually came to Chattanooga and we met face to face, we were already very deeply bonded, had talked about, you know, past, present, future, opened the X-Files, discussed former marriages, all that kind of stuff. And I just remember thinking... I don't want our first kiss to be in the parking garage. I, and I knew that I, I just got the feeling that he's going to kiss me. Hello. And so, uh, when he got out of his, well, I met him downstairs, like under the porta cachet and I told him where he needed to park. And so I met him up there. So I hugged him and I just remember he was wearing a corduroy jacket and just the feeling of his big, broad shoulders and he had really curly hair. And when I put my hand around the back of his neck to kind of hug his neck, because that's what we do in the South, we hug your neck. Uh, I remember just feeling my fingers come in contact with his curly hair and I just wanted to do more, you know? So that was my first touch of him. But I whispered in his ear, I was like, don't kiss me. Don't kiss me. So I had to hold him in that <laughs> hug long enough to communicate that. It's like, okay, I'm about to let you go, but don't you dare kiss me yet. And so he was a little confused and bewildered, but I took him upstairs and I had this condo that overlooked the Tennessee river and I wanted the balcony to be yeah. where we, our first kiss would be. So I just let him straight to the balcony. It was like, okay, now you can kiss me. <laughs> there was really no mystery as to whether or not that was going to happen. Don't you love um, dating in, in this more mature stage of life where there's not all of this awkwardness and all this navigation and negotiating. And you just know, like, I've heard so many people say that when, you know, you know, would you ladies concur with that? Well, I will say Randy and I, our first kiss was kind of awkward. Was it? So yeah, it kind of was a little bit. How so? Yeah. Do tell <laughs> our listeners. Well, I mean, know. just, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was after that first date where, yeah. I mean, we had already been uh, talking for a while and then I actually went to Seattle to a conference. And so we kind of talked on the phone during then, and then we came home. And so we had this first date and, you know, I was living in a basement apartment in the house next door to him. And so he was very much a gentleman and uh, so he's basically walking me to my door, <laughs> but my door is like in the garage, like it's, so it was in a garage, it wasn't a garage, but it, it just, I think it was just awkward because I think he was super nervous. Mm. Um, and I'm kind of one of these people that I feel, you know, I'm not one that thinks like the honeymoon sex is the best sex. Like, I think the, like getting to know each other, once you know each other and the touches a little bit more, but that's just my experience. Um, I mean, I know for some people like that first kiss is just incredible, but I would say for Randy and I, um, just for our listeners out there who, who maybe they're like, our first kiss wasn't incredible. I'm, I'm just going to say our first kiss wasn't 
what I would consider incredible, but we've had many incredible kisses since then though. It's an excellent point and in, that sometimes it takes a while for that plane to really yeah. take off and, and get to the altitude that it's capable of. What were you going to say, Angie? Yeah. Well, I was going to say something, but let me respond to what you just said too, is that I think um, that in my work with the purity movement, one of the things that the church taught was wait until your wedding night yeah. and <laughs> that night will be amazing. Oh, and <laughs> It's not. Yeah. It's not usually amazing. I mean, you're usually exhausted from a wedding, but, um, but I think the best sex comes when we learn each okay. other and we know each other better and know what makes each other tick and what we enjoy. And, um, and it, yeah. So if the first is not the life altering event that we may have set ourselves up to expect. Um, and if you were disappointed, it's okay. Keep yeah. trying. And there is definitely the potential to, to get better. Um, and Shannon, to go back to your question um, about dating at this stage of life, I think that that we just know ourselves better right. at this stage. So we know what the non-negotiables are. And um, I know that I, both Jonathan and I had the confidence to share that with each other. And if there were places that weren't going to work out, we were both ready to step away. No harm, no foul, just not going to work out. It's not personal. And that's very different from dating earlier in life. And we did so much of that over email because we dated long distance. Right. So Shannon, like you, we had, um, and we still have all of the emails that we wrote where we laid out, this is what's important to me and this and details about sex and, um, and all of that, that we just got, we just laid it out from the right. very beginning. Yeah. This is who I am. This is what I need. Is this going to work? Yeah, and it's working, baby. Yeah, I, I remember the the spiritual conversations that we had, and the emotional conversations that we had, the financial conversations that we had. I, I you're right. When you're middle aged, you know who you are, and you know what your values are, and you know, like Julie said, your non negotiables. But let's let's go back to touch for a moment. Yes, let's. Um, all right, so <laughs> we're going to cover this more. Our next episode is kissing like lovers do. But because Angie specifically mentioned the purity movement, I do want to throw this in here. So I know that there are a lot of people out there that they were taught that you're not supposed to touch prior to marriage, that you're not supposed to kiss prior to marriage. But did you know that when you kiss someone, when you get so close to them that you can literally smell their, your, you know, taste their bodily fluids, their saliva, you can, you can smell their breath, like you're, it involves all of your senses and that if you're a good DNA match to that person, they will taste very good, if not irresistible to you. But if you're not a good DNA match to that person, there will be something off about the smell or the taste. Now, isn't that amazing the way that God designed our bodies? I've, been, I've never heard that. That is interesting. I've never heard that. You learn something new every day. Yeah. yeah. So and this, go ahead. Yeah. So I just finished a fascinating book about sex and science. And the same can be said about vaginal fluids. Interesting that, that you if, can just if there is not a good match, match. Yep. 
Very, very interesting. Yeah, so this whole concept of you should save your first kiss till the altar. I don't agree with that. I, I've never agreed with that. I've never been that extreme. But touching, let's go back to touching. I think that touching can be so so non-sexual. Touching, I think, is one of the most innocent things in the world. I think that there are so many levels of touching before you ever get to anything that you wouldn't ever do in front of your parents or your pastor type of a thing that are really important steps in the progression of a relationship. For example, you know, holding hands, you know, like when you described how Randy put his arm around you and moved you away from the, the side where traffic would be or whatever, like those kinds of touches or, or putting your arm around each other, or I distinctly remember the first movie that, that Charlie and I ever went to see together was I Can Only Imagine. And it was really special mm-hmm. to me for that to be our first movie because I grew up in Greenville, Texas, and I went to high school with the, with the lead singers, you know, like his older brother and I were in the same grade. And so, you know, this was like, a trip down memory lane for me to see this story come to life on screen. It's like, that's my hometown, Greenville, Texas. But when we got to the movie theater, Charlie lifted up the armrests for like three or four seats in a row so that he could create a chaise lounge effect so that (laughs) I could lay down and put my head like against his chest type of a thing. And I just remember that feeling of, I didn't even know that movie theater armrests lifted up. (laughs) <laughs> like how does this guy even know this but the idea that he that he knew it was going to be an emotional experience for me based on the story if you know the song you know it's a very emotional song mm-hmm. but the fact that he was already prepared to hold me before the movie even started just that that touch that tenderness it it speaks right. volumes have y'all had experiences well I'm, I'm curious have y'all heard from either parishioners or readers of your blog or whoever who maybe feel as if they were tainted against touch because of what they were taught of you shouldn't touch, you shouldn't let someone put their hands on your body or whatever. Like, I think that that has kind of jacked some people up. Absolutely. Yes. And women in particular who were affected by the purity movement who said, don't guard your body because in guarding your body, you are guarding your heart. I remember Shannon, when we were teaching within the purity movement, we did the steps to intimacy. I think that it's Josh McDowell, the 12 steps to intimacy. And so there is, um, hand to hand, hand to face, um, hand to breast, hand to genitals, all of those. And the point was to set your line where, what level of touch are you not going to engage in before you're married? Um, and what that has caused is the link between touching certain parts of the body and shame. Mm, so those, those shame failures. Yes. Yeah. Or, or, um, exclusion or dirtiness or, or, or boundaries being crossed or he's right. I'll hear women describe. He's so handsy. He just gropes me all the time. It's like, well, could you maybe reframe it that he finds me so irresistible that sometimes he can't keep his hands off of me. And it's a compliment. And the other thing I think that, that it's important to be mindful of when we talk about touch is sexual abuse Yeah, and how that has affected so many people. And that something as innocent as a touch between husband and wife can be a trigger to the worst moment of someone's existence. 
And so if that is your case, I would certainly encourage you to seek therapy, to um, talk to Shannon about her ministry and, and to get help for that because you don't want that controlling your current relationships, but it's certainly, it's normal if, if it does. Yeah. It's such a powerful experience to watch women come into those four day women at the well workshops with that exact anxiety of they are triggered by physical touch. They are triggered by the idea of human physical intimacy altogether. And what I find really interesting, I have to tell this quick story. There was a, a lady who attended a couple of years ago and she had such an aversion to touch that she could not even do some of the, you know, dyad type of exercises where, you know, you're going to come in physical contact with somebody somehow, some way, but she just could not, would not be touched. And so obviously I knew that it was my job to try to help her work through this. And so one of the things that I did is I put her like face to face with me and said, what part of our bodies, is it okay for there to be contact between? And she thought about it for a second and she said, ankles, that's it. And so I put my ankle over on her bar stool part where I could prop my foot. And so we were just sitting there talking ankle to ankle. And that was as far as she could possibly get. And we accepted that. And okay, we moved on later that same day. We had this surprise for everybody and I don't want to ruin the surprise because we do it for every group. And she was so surprised and elated and touched and felt so blessed by this surprise. She hugged me and I didn't catch it in that moment, but there were several other people that were like, uh, uh, you see what she's doing? She's hugging you. And, and I realized it's like, this is a huge breakthrough. So just to watch right. women have the breakthrough experiences of touch doesn't have to be a scary thing. It doesn't have to be in an overwhelming or intimidating way. It can be a very natural, organic way. Julie, what kind of experience have you had in talking with women about their anxieties around touch? Well, I would definitely echo some of the things you guys have said. I think the purity movement uh, did a lot to kind of set this idea that if you say no, 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 that then things will instantly be amazing. And so I hear from women who have a hard time flipping the switch. Mm -hmm. So they went from, I set good boundaries. I didn't want us to have sex before we were married. We didn't have sex before we were married. And then now I've said these vows and I'm married and I'm his wife now. And somehow I'm supposed to go from this person who kind of set the brakes to now this person who's supposed to be uninhibited and um, uh, assertive sexually. And so I hear from women who struggle with finding their sexual confidence and struggle getting past the shame of feeling like something is still wrong. So I definitely hear that. The other way I think we set people up, particularly women, is we, we are so in love with romantic movie sex. We are just like, as a culture, we just, um, we're drop down drunk in love with the, what we see on the screen of what sex should, we think sex should look like. And real sex is messier than that. And real sex um, comes in a lot of different, with a lot of different touches and positions and uh, good humor because things don't always, <laughs> 
you know, you know, you never see on the movie screen when somebody gets a cramp, you never see, you know, so I <laughs> or do a queef, uh, or, I'll let y'all look, uh, yeah, the, look up right. the definition to that word. <laughs> right, exactly. Or any of it, you know, so, you know, I think that we could do better to help um, uh, give affirmation to that real sex is messier but it uh, is better. And it gives us the opportunity that if we can grow in that confidence, and I always call it, you know, teach and be teachable, that you can't operate from a place of assumption of what you think, you know, like some men think, oh, she wants it deep and hard, because that's what they've heard, you know, that's what the like culture has told them. And maybe she does want it deep and hard, but you can't just operate from that assumption. Well, like, usually you she has to, to warm up to that. She right, but to I'm saying before she's ready for that. Right, but she maybe will never want that, That's or true. maybe she will want that. So it's just really, and same thing for I think sometimes in among women we kind of assume that we know exactly what a guy wants, and it's like, well, every guy is different, just like every woman is different. So what? you know, turns one person on, isn't going to turn another person on. And, and so I, that's why I think the feedback, that loop of feedback is so important and that we lower our defenses mm. so that if our spouse redirects our hand or asks us, you know, could you do the, try this way or try that way, you know, that we not become so defensive. Now I am sensitive to what you both have talked about the sexual abuse thing, but I agree with what you said, Angie, is that I think the greatest tragedy is if not only was this person traumatized by sexual abuse in the past, but now that uh, traumatic thing is still taking its toll. Mm -hmm. So if they don't find um, the healing and the um, kind of being able to get beyond that, uh, then they're never going to be able to embrace all that sex can be in its right context in a loving relationship. And so yeah, I definitely think that um, we have to teach and be teachable and uh, really kind of learn from each other and be willing to kind of grow outside our comfort zone a little. And I'm not saying like one person's sexual pleasure should not come at the expense of the other person's pain. I think that's a bad dynamic, but I do think we're called to like stretch a bit in um, different touches, different positions, um, different things that bring us pleasure and to really hear each other's hearts on that. So, yeah, absolutely. And I have one more thing that I think is absolutely essential for touch conversations. Um, something that I did not learn growing up lube lubrication <laughs> ladies that that can make a world of difference especially as we age and become a little bit more mature in our bodies aka vaginal dryness and um and that can actually be fun too because there are a bunch of different kinds out there right. and to to try different kinds with your partner and do you like the warming do you like the flavor do you like all these different things but um yes that is something that is absolutely essential, I think, in sexual touch. Yeah. And I would add to that, like I did years ago, I contacted the lubricant companies and I asked them all to send me samples. And like Randy and I tried them all. I told, I told Randy, I'm like, you got to take one for the team here, honey. So um, I tried them all and did reviews on them and stuff like that. And I agree with you. There's like a lot of great, the days of just KY jelly are 
no longer. Like there's some great lubricants out there. And that would be the same, not only for women as they're going through menopause and the vaginal dryness, but for young women, if they've never had sex and are so super tight, you know, that a little lubrication can, can make all the difference. Well, and I have to say KY jelly was never intended to be a sex lubricant. Don't, don't use it. It's not water soluble. So you're going to create right. some, some infections down the road I, on the topic of lube, coconut oil, I find to be right. the yes. best it's organic, you know, getting in your mouth is not a big deal. Cause you cook with it anyway. And, but yeah. I also say, right. So except I told my son who loves to cook that he was not allowed to use coconut oil anymore because I couldn't think about something in my food that had oh, also been oh near my vaginal opening. Well, you and, have two um, you separate know, it, jars. You have one that's in the kitchen and one that's in the bedroom. Yes, and we're not using the one in the kitchen for sex, but it did kind of concern me a little bit. So he sticks mostly to olive oil and we're good. Oh okay. my God, Angie, that I, I'm going to have that stuck in my head. <laughs> that is so... Funny. Anytime I ever get some coconut oil out, I'm going to be thinking about that. Well, and the well, best part is that he's 18. And so he's like, oh God, mom, ah. watermelon cantaloupe, watermelon cantaloupe. Don't want to hear it. Um, that's funny. Okay. So speaking of coconut oil, I'm reeling us back into our topic. Coconut oil is also wonderful as just massage lubricant to just touch each other's back and shoulders and feet. And I even will rub coconut oil on my face at night. And for me to ask Charlie, can I put my head in your lap and you rub my face? Let me show you the best aphrodisiac in the world, in my opinion. Okay. Not all people may agree, but this totally floats my boat. It floats, it floats Charlie's boat and it floats lots of clients that I've shared this with. Okay. So are you ready for this? If you have your mate, put his hands or put his hand right there. And with these two okay. fingers, do this. And the people who are listening on SoundCloud right now are going crazy. You're going to have to look it up on YouTube, <laughs> but grabbing that section of skin that goes right over the occipital bone over the eyes, like the eyebrows, pulling it up. You think about it. You, you, you squint those muscles down all day long when you're trying to read things and focus and concentrate. So basically it's just an intentional moving them in the opposite direction as stress moves them. And so it's very de-stressing. So even just that little touch at night, whenever we're going to bed and we're watching TV together, he will reach his hand over and just start massaging that little section of my forehead. And I just melt. I love it get yourself that's funny i would just i would just have to say though like randy he hates the feeling of oil on his yeah. skin so for him i know lotion? and i've actually been to mas- he, i've actually been to massage yeah kind of i've i've been to massage therapy school so yeah. like i was all about like let's give each other massages and get all oily and naked and all that and he, he just likes to dry so huh much. <laughs> he just does not, he doesn't like the feel of, I think it comes from, he, he was a mechanic by trade. So he mm. spent like a lot of his work day oily. So and to him, that, he associates, yeah. yeah, he associates it with like not clean or something, but I mean, he's fine with lubricant, although we have the opposite issue. This is probably too much information, but like we have the opposite issue. Like we, I'm 
not dry at all. Yes. <laughs> so, we kind of have a, not, so uh, we have the opposite never issue. Will. It's like too much. Yeah, I know. Right. And that's where the naked bed sheet comes in. <laughs> right. Right. One of my favorite products, bar none, the naked bed sheet, um, waterproof protection for your mattress. But one of the best investments we ever made was we went on Facebook marketplace and found a used massage table. She said, I used it yes. three times. Mm-hmm. We bought it for 80 bucks. I can't tell you how many hours we have spent just taking turns, massaging each yeah. other. And then we got smart after a while of, you know what, whoever goes first, then they have to give the massage instead of just stay <laughs> relaxed. So we take turns being first so that, you know, we can right. stay in that relaxation zone. But I want to hearken back to something that y'all have both addressed with the sexual abuse of if you've been inappropriately touched in your past, that sometimes that can cause such a huge emotional trigger for you. I want you to think about how unfair it is for someone to be robbed, someone to take something from you that is not theirs, that is yours, but they take it. That is a really unfortunate experience. But what's even more unfortunate is if they come back and rob you again the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and you just keep letting it happen. So understanding that it is within the human's power to regain that which has been stolen from them, to understand that the human spirit is resilient, just like our body scars over and heals, our emotions can scar over and heal. You can move beyond sexual abuse. I've written about it in multiple books and talk about it in multiple podcasts. And obviously it's a topic that comes up far too often in, uh, in coaching sessions, but I wanted to ask if you ladies hear this expression very often, either in the church or when you're speaking or the people who respond on your blog, Julie, so many of my coaching clients have used this exact phrase. It's usually coming from women. If I give him an inch, he's going to want a mile. So the idea is, is that they don't want him to even touch her to start with because she knows that it's going to lead to him having expectations of sex. What do you say to the person who says, well, I don't even want to give him an inch because then he's going to want to take a mile. Well, I first try to understand what's behind that. You know, I shared with you ladies, I want to know the story behind the story. So what, what's behind that? And I do think you both have touched on this and I've talked about it that I do think oftentimes there's some woundedness and some past stuff that hasn't been dealt with. And, and I would echo what you said, Shannon, that not only is the human spirit resilient, but God is redemptive and he's healing and he's loving. And he would not want us to continue to be weighted down by um, the abuse of the past that somebody did to us. So um, I would first want to understand, well, why do you feel that way? And and get at the story behind the story. But then the other thing I would say is that um, let's like look at what God designed sex to be in a marriage. He designed it to be a mutual place and a place of compassion and um, passion. And so I would help try to help, especially women, like understand that this isn't just about his pleasure. It's not just about your husband's pleasure. This is about your pleasure. This is about your orgasmic experience and your um, having a sexual experience that is fulfilling. 
So what is the roadblocks? What are the roadblocks that is compelling you to say, if I give him an inch, he'll take a mile? Like, why is it that you don't want to be uninhibited with your husband? Right. Or why is it that you don't desire him sexually? Or why is it that you're resistant to his desire of you sexually? So I, I'm just uh, the journalist in me wants to just dig deeper. Um, but I want to emphasize that sex is for her too. Um, I want her to grasp that. Right. That there is liberation Absolutely. to be had from those exact yes. same feelings. Right. Angie, what were you going to say? Well, I would hope too, that any couple would be able to, to talk about that, to lay it out there on the table. And yes, that is an uncomfortable conversation to say, yeah, honey, you know, I really don't want you to touch me because I'm not always interested in it leading to sex. I wonder if there's some way that a couple could come to a happy medium to have some kind of understanding about um, how and when touch will be used. And if the expectation is that touch is always associated with making love um, and, and that's not welcome, then there has to be some conversation. Right, right. That. Yeah, Julie, uh, I, I could not agree more. I love what you said, yeah. Julie, about wanting to find out the story behind the story, because yeah. oftentimes what I do learn is that there, there's been someone in that woman's past who did have expectations on her and did take things from her that were not his to, to take. And the, the notion of now I'm in marriage and I don't want to be touched by my husband, I, I want to be very sensitive in how I say this, because I don't want to sound punitive in any way toward her. But it basically equates to her punishing her husband for something that somebody else did to her. It, it just, it, right. it's never redemptive. I love when you said the word redemptive, I got goosebumps, oh, yeah. God bumps. Like I, I, I so believe that every woman has it within her to heal from anything that's in her past, mm. to liberate herself and to experience that passion and pleasure that is every human being's birthright. And it is so fun to watch a client evolve. Like I've literally had couples come in complaining that she seems to be asexual, no sexual feelings right. whatsoever, totally sexually flatlined, but to watch her blossom over the course of three to six months, as we just unpack this stuff and realize the story behind the story and how it's impacted her so incredibly powerful. But so oftentimes you're right, Angie, in that she correlates touch with he expects sex. So I think the message that I want husbands to hear from this episode loud and clear is guys, she doesn't just need sexual touch. She needs non-sexual touch. She needs to know that she is safe in your arms and that she is safe when you put your hands on her and that not everything has to lead toward getting each other all worked up in a lather. Sometimes it can just be to comfort or to connect or to bond and just let oxytocin flow and let her send a different signal to her brain that says, this is okay. I, this is nice. I, I enjoy this. I can appreciate this. That will warm her up for something another time that is more sexual than non-sexual. I feel like we could go on about this topic all day long and I can't believe that we're up against <laughs> what was typically our start time. Do y'all have any final thoughts that you just are dying to toss out there before I wrap this up? No, I think we covered it all. I just think we really um, gave the reader or the listeners really a lot, a lot to talk about, I hope, in their own marriages. The thing that I would add is early in our marriage, I would 
put my head in the nook of Jonathan's arm and um, we'd be watching TV or something and he would run his fingers through my hair, which is like my jam. Mm. Oh my oh. goodness. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Every single mm. time I would fall asleep. So it could so be the most sexual. wonderful touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it, has, most- it has a different effect on me. <laughs> like my yeah. play with my hair and we're something's gonna happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I would just get mm-hmm. so relaxed that I was gone for the rest of the evening. Um, so to again, everyone just um maintain that sense of communication in your relationship where you can have those hard conversations, even if that conversation is, um, honey, I'd really like it if you didn't fall asleep on me when I'm trying to be affectionate (laughs) with you. How how great that you feel safe enough in his arms that you can fall asleep. Uh, Obviously all of your alarms and bells and whistles were turned off because you felt so comfortable. And that's the goal guys. That's the goal. If she can be so comfortable with you touching her in non-sexual ways, then the idea of sex won't feel so daunting to her but if it does i hope that you will reach out to one of us for some sort of conversation or read julie's blogs or listen to some of angie's sermons or listen to more of my podcasts or come to one of our workshops please four days is not too long to unpack the layers that you know to find that root sometimes you have to dig through a lot of layers it's not always just one particular thing sometimes it's a multitude of things that has caused you to feel the way that you do but we hope that you will warm up to the idea of touching and being touched being a beautiful and desirable thing so with that i have to say we love you for listening and we thank you for tapping on us here's a ps for you on this episode we've mentioned coconut oil being a great lubricant and it is but if you rely on condoms for birth control know that coconut oil and olive oil and other organic oils can jeopardize the efficacy of condoms in the prevention of pregnancy.